My nerds, welcome to another episode of the Irreverent Nerds Podcast. This looks a little different, and there's a reason for that. <laughs> so my buddy Will and I, my, my faithful co-host Will, had recorded an episode together earlier today. He actually came to my workplace uh, during my lunch break. We recorded it outdoors. The lighting was not that great to begin with, but then as has happened at least once before, for some reason when I record with the USB webcam on my laptop, occasionally the file gets corrupted. And this time around, it not only it corrupted the entire video file, and unfortunately I, I didn't know for sure whether that would be the case until I had completed the video project in iMovie, and then when you complete it in iMovie, you have to save it to your photos in order to upload it to Anchor. So I was previewing it in photos, and the thing was just like, it's like, like jerking all around like this. <laughs> so that would have been extremely annoying to watch, and I couldn't figure out how to extract the audio from it so I could at least upload that. If I can figure that out later, I'll upload it as a bonus episode. But in the meantime, uh, we're kind of going back to the roots of the podcast. With the exception that um, this is both a video and an audio version, which is something I didn't do at the beginning of the podcast. So this is officially my first solo video podcast. Now, I have created a lot of solo videos over the past year and a half. I have a, a, a YouTube channel, Empathic Ecologist. Check it out, by the way, if you like nerdy stuff, science philosophy it's a little more serious i will warn you like yes i do laugh on occasion but it this podcast the irreverent nerds is for fun that one i, I enjoy doing it but in a different way it is very satisfying but in a more like intellectual way if you will it's it's more about teaching and, and education and advocacy whereas this podcast is is it's for entertainment it's for fun so, and I need both in my life, honestly. Like, we, we need fun, but there's some serious stuff that happens in this world, right? I'm not going to bore you with the details. Like, you watch the news. Um, I'll just say two words, January 6th. <laughs> I'm recording this on Tuesday. There was a, uh, yeah, thing that, that case kind of blew up today. And that's all I'm going to say about it. Because as I said, this podcast is meant to be an escape. So, I'm going to try to fill the gap. We won't have Will's dulcet tones interrupting me with, uh, with jokes and funny quips, unfortunately. But he'll be back. And once again, if I can figure out how to isolate the audio from the corrupted video file, uh, I will upload that as a bonus episode for this week. But for now, you're stuck with me. So I'm going to try to talk about similar topics to what he and I discussed today. I'm going to let him tell you about his experience going to the Heroes Convention. There's a comic book convention that takes place annually in Charlotte, North Carolina. And he and his wife went down and uh, they, they did some cosplay, dressed up as Ghostbusters, and uh, made some plugs for our podcast as well. So if you happen to have heard about us at Heroes Con... 
let us know. Like we 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 put out some flyers with the the QR code and like a list of recent episodes and just a little synopsis of of what our podcast is about. So if that's how you found us, uh, drop us a line. Which speaking of which, how do you do that? Well, you can follow us on Instagram. It's at irreverent underscore nerds plural. So you can DM us there. Um, I manage the Instagram page. Um, we do also have a Facebook fan page, which technically I'm the manager there, but Will's actually more active on Facebook than I am, so you'll see him post quite a bit on the wall for the Irreverent Nerds fan page on Facebook, and I check in from time to time just to see um, if we have any new followers or how things are going or, or what he's posting about. Um, he's not on Instagram at this time, so I'm, I'm the primary manager there, and as you guys know, that's actually how this podcast started. It started as an Instagram page. I was just uploading funny memes, and then one day I was like, wait, this is actually a good name for a podcast. I should just start one. So, like, literally that same day, I took, actually, let's see, well, no, it wasn't this. I didn't have my iPad. I'm recording this with my iPad. I didn't have that at the time. I think I had my iPhone. So I just took my iPhone, went out, like, literally sat in a tree in the back of where I work and uh, used actually this well actually no I didn't use this lapel mic I think I used my um, I have another mic that's like directional and I believe I use it because it was audio only so I wasn't worried about how I looked or or uh, making hand gestures or anything like that I just held the mic like right here the whole time and the sound quality actually turned out pretty good for that first foray into entertainment podcasting and thus the irreverent nerd singular at the time was born and then Mr. Will Boyer of course came along let's see wasn't too long after that they came on as a guest co-host which I had had that in mind from the early days of the podcast I was like it would be fun to have Will on as a guest so I had him on to talk about Batman as any of you who've been following the podcast for a while will know like and uh, we kind of unofficially dubbed ourselves the Camel City Comic Geeks and I'll be honest, like when he came on as a permanent co-host, I actually thought about changing the name of the podcast to the Campbell City Comic Geeks officially. Um, but we had already started branding with the Irreverent Nerd, and so I just did a little bit of a tweak and, and made it plural because now there's two of us. And I did redo our I don't know if logo is the right word. I guess you call it a logo. It's you know the album art, if you will, <laughs> our um, our logo on on the podcasting world for that page and to I redid it to include Will in the picture quite literally and yeah we've had a good time we've had some other guests on since then as well like my good friend Zach and uh, Lars Desenza and Brandon Leva from the Trichnicity podcast you know came on with me uh, there was a week that Will wasn't able to make it and the, the two of them came on um those two things don't have anything to do with one another, but they came on. We talked about Star Trek. By the way, if you're a Star Trek fan, go and listen to that podcast. We actually had a really engaging discussion about the episode I Borg, which, is, in my opinion, is one of the best Star Trek in the Next Generation episodes, and frankly, one of the best Star Trek episodes, period, I think. And it deals with some really important topics, and, and we got into that, and we had a good time doing it. Uh, but we got pretty deep, and uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I think they did as well. So yeah, if you haven't checked that out, go back. And we have a pretty sizable back catalog now. I think there's like, dang, 
probably with if you include the bonus episodes it's over 25 episodes now that you can listen to like we've made one every week since the podcast started and added a few bonus episodes here and there like when we went to see a film kind of in the middle of a week we would do an instant review things like that which we'll probably do again for Thor Love and Thunder which is coming up we kind of missed the window on Jurassic World Dominion but Thor is a little bit bigger in both of our worlds like we care a little bit more about seeing that and finding out more about where they're going with the MCU and it might be Thor's last film or at least I should say Chris Hemsworth last film I don't think anything has been announced about that yet but there's a possibility that that will be so we're looking forward to that that is one of the things Will and I actually talked about this morning we talked about the fact that Christian Bale uh, I actually forgotten that until I watched it, uh, a trailer or I think it was yeah a trailer or an interview something like that recently and, and they mentioned him being I was like oh yeah I forgot so yeah he's going to be playing a villain and um, saw just some new footage with more clips and clips of him fighting some of the, the heroes and it it looks really good and Christian Bale obviously is a solid actor I have not now that I think about it I have not seen him play a straight up villain before he's played some characters of questionable morals uh, such as in the movie American Hustle but he's not really a villain per se he's not an antagonist to like the heroes of the story if you will um, so this for me at least at least in seeing him will be a first so I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with that role. <clears throat> so, we were going to talk a little bit about Dragon Ball Z and Dragon Ball Super. To my shame, I mean, I do have a life. I have other things going on, so I'm not. I don't really feel shame about it. But <laughs> uh, I have I have yet to watch episode. But I, I do uh, on the urging of my friend Zach or on his advice, I would like to watch the first two episodes with him and Will. So we're going to talk to Zach about arranging that maybe sometime within the next month or so three of us get together and reconvene to discuss Dragon Ball and that remains the most popular episode of the podcast uh, so yeah like you guys obviously like some Dragon Ball Z so we're going to come back and talk about that uh, sometime in the near future got a couple of other interviews in our back pocket one with a, an animator from a very well-known animated series. I'm not going to tell you which one just yet until we confirm date and all that with this gentleman. But uh, but yeah, he's an animator for a very well-known animated series among other works that he's done. And Will connected with him at the Heroes Convention and and uh, he agreed to, to come on our show and, and do an interview with us. So we're excited about that. And uh, yeah, so... Stay tuned for that announcement coming up. So, I wanted to take a minute, and by the way, this is going to be spoiler-filled. I wanted to take just a minute and talk about the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So, I say spoiler-filled. I've seen all six episodes, so if you haven't, which in- includes Will at this point, he has only seen the first five. So, hey Will, <laughs> if you're if you're watching or listening to this, you might want to forward it until you get to see the sixth episode because I don't want to ruin anything for you. But <clears throat> for those of us who have seen the whole thing, wasn't it great? I loved the way it ended and I loved the development in the engagements between Obi-Wan and Anakin. 
And even though in the in the finale of the series, even though Obi Wan in a sense gets his heart broken all over again, or at least some old wounds are reopened, you also see that that he he obtains some closure. And even though I don't I don't know that Anakin's intent was to give Obi-Wan any kind of comfort, you know, Obi-Wan hears from Anakin. I mean, this is like right at the end, it's like, you didn't kill Anakin. You know, shortly before that, he says, Anakin is dead. I, I think there's some reference to that in there. And I believe, if a memory serves me, there's like a flashback to, or at least a reference to when Obi-Wan yells like, I have failed you, Anakin, you know, in episode three. And leaves him there essentially to die. And Anakin, again, I don't, he, he can't quite tell for sure but it doesn't seem in the moment that his intent was to bring any kind of comfort to Obi-Wan. But he says to Obi-Wan, you didn't kill me. You didn't kill Anakin. I did. I being Vader. And then you see Obi-Wan accept that. And then he calls him, I think either Darth, I believe either Darth or Vader there at the end. Recognizing like, hey, Anakin is gone. Now, I've heard rumblings. Um, those of you who follow the nerd world have probably heard rumblings that uh, Obi Wan Obi Wan could get another season. Uh, Ewan McGregor has at least said that he would be open to playing Obi Wan again, which I'd be totally fine with. That it was thoroughly enjoyable, in a sense. Even though it was a mini series, I mean, it's basically another Star Wars movie. And one of my favorites now, even though, yeah, it's technically a mini-series, but it, it was really good. Right. Um, solid. Not saying I enjoyed every bit of it, but just overall, particularly the way they explored the relationship between Obi-Wan and Anakin. Just, yeah. In the second half, as has been true for a number of the um, more recent Lucasfilm series on Disney+, Plus, the second half of the series just gets more and more engaging. You know, so you got you know now that you got to stick it out. You might be a little bored in the first episode or two, like I was for the Mandalorian. Obviously, I, honestly, like I I watched the first three episodes and I couldn't get into it. Like I think I stopped in the middle of of episode four. Is like I was like, this is a ripoff of the movie Shane, and I, I just stopped. I did, I just lost interest. But thankfully, <laughs> I'm very glad I did. I came back and picked it up. And then this, it just got better and better as that season went on. And then season two just knocked it out of the park. And I've heard that they're going to have a season three, I believe. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, I'll have to resubscribe to Disney Plus when it comes out. <laughs> so, <clears throat> time to, that was what I was watching. So time to get into what I've been reading a bit. Um... We'll talk some about a Ghostbusters American-style manga. So it reads left to right, but it's in the art style of manga. Um, he talked some about that and, and showed it off for the camera. And unfortunately, that video is lost. Uh, might still be able to save the audio, like I said, but that's uh, something he had been reading through. 
Uh, for me, um, I talked about a novel. This is a science fiction novel that I've been reading. It's called Axiom's End by Lindsay Ellis. And according to this, Lindsay Ellis is an author, Hugo Award finalist, and video essayist who creates online content about media, narrative, and film theory. She got a bachelor's in cinema studies from MIU's Tisch School of the Arts, ma- master's of fine arts in film and television production with a focus in documentary and screenwriting from USC's School of Cinematic Arts. She lives in Long Beach, California. And this is her debut novel, and it is excellent. Just give you a little blurb here from what it's about. It's fall 2007. A well-timed leak has revealed that the U.S. government might have engaged in first contact. Cora Sabino is doing everything she can to avoid the whole mess, since the force driving the controversy to her whistleblowing is her whistleblowing father. Even though Cora hasn't spoken to him in years, his celebrity has caught the attention of the press, the internet, the paparazzi, and the government, and with him in hiding, that attention is on her. She neither knows nor cares whether her father's leaks are a hoax and wants nothing to do with him until she learns just how deeply entrenched her family is in the cover-up and that an extraterrestrial presence has been on Earth for decades. Okay, so that kind of gives a little bit of it away. But you don't know who the extraterrestrial presence is until several chapters into the book, so there's, there's some mystery in that. And uh, this was, see, this came out in 2020, so it's fairly recent. And I got it for six bucks at McKay's, the uh, used bookstore slash nerd heaven (laughs) here in Winston-Salem. I believe they also have uh, a location in Nashville, I think. So any of you listening from Nashville, you probably hear that name and you're like, oh, there's one here too. Um, Anyway, but yeah, like it would have been $28 brand new. I mean, it's in pretty much new condition, so somebody must have just read it and was like, eh, might as well get a few bucks out of it, take it to McKay's, but I highly recommend it. It's very well written. It's, um, it's like, it's, it's third, it's written in third person, but primarily from the perspective, you know, it's not, it's third person, but from the perspective of one character, a Korra, for the most part, um... So it's not like you're not like in her head with her thoughts, but it, it's following her story. So she's the protagonist, and that's all I'll tell you for now. But it's very well written, and I recommend it. Uh, another sci-fi book that I have been reading—not this past week, technically, but um, over the past month. So I picked this up. This is actually an anthology. It's called *New Sons: Original Speculative Fiction by People of Color* edited by Nisi Shaw, and has a foreword by the one and only LeVar Burton. And I'll just read you a little bit of what LeVar has to say here. I'm a huge fan of science fiction. Throughout my life, I have marveled at the powerful, even transformative nature of speculative storytelling. The influence science fiction storytelling is having in popular culture right now is amazing to behold, and as a genuine fan of the medium, I truly believe we are in a new age of speculative fiction. There is a pleasing phenomenon developing in the genre recently, the worthy inclusion of voices of color, which are being paid much overdue attention. So, people of color, you know, uh, from quite a few different ethnicities, uh, including some Native American voices, 
um, have written various short stories here. And I've read the first, I believe, two or three. I guess uh, the first, maybe just the first one, now that I think about it. Um, it was titled The Galactus, Galactic Tourist Industrial Complex by Tobias S. Buckle. <laughs> oh, yes, I have read two. Yes. And also I read The Deer Dancer by Kathleen, and I'll probably get pronounce this wrong, Alcala. Kathleen Alcala. Both excellent pieces of speculative fiction. And honestly, like I'd love to dabble a bit in short story writing myself. And I hope to rise up to this level someday. It's excellent work. I got this at my local independent bookstore, uh, Bookmarks. Which, by the way, they have an online presence. So you can order from them even if you don't live in Winston-Salem. So check them out. Or if you have an independent bookstore where you live, go visit them in person. Or check out their online store. Because they probably have one. So, let's see. What's next? I'm just going to take up a few more minutes of your time. This is not going to be as long as our our duets have been. But I rewatched The Batman the other day. And honestly, I loved it so much when I saw it in the theater. Like, and you guys, by the way, if you haven't listened to it yet, go check out my instant review of the Batman. This is back before Will joined as a permanent co-host, so it was so it was just me talking about it. And I just I gushed, and it was such a good movie. Uh, Will and I went to see it together, but he was not my co-host at the time, so we didn't record a review. Um, he did actually send in a guest review for that, so check his out as well. Um, but yeah, like I I loved it, and. I was like, this is the best Batman movie. And honestly, it felt more than any other live-action film thus far. It felt more like I was watching a comic book on screen. But like, And it borrows a lot from uh, The Long Halloween, which any of you who are Batman comic book fans and have followed it in the last 20 years will know what that is. Uh, written by Jeff Loeb, illustrated by Tim Sale, who... May he rest in peace. Sadly, passed away recently. Um, and they they are a rock star team when it comes to comic book writing. Both <clears throat> the Long Halloween and Dark Victory, um, which I recently finished, are excellent pieces of just fiction. Period. And they, I think, it's fair to say, borrow some ideas and some pacing from the Godfather films, and. The Batman evokes some of that too, kind of this procedural crime drama where you have crime family kind of at the heart of the conflict. And I, your experience is never exactly the same, obviously, when you watch it the second time, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it again. And it's still my favorite Batman movie. My opinion did not diminish by rewatching it because sometimes that happens you know like you see it in the theater and you're like oh, whoa and then you rewatch it at home you're like oh 
it's not quite as good as my initial impression told me, but but no, they, this is still, yeah, excellent, excellent film. If it doesn't get nominated for Best Picture, I'll be upset. <laughs> it should. Uh, there's a good chance it won't just because it released so early in the year and, and that, you know, if you're trying to go for that, typically you release later in the year if you're deliberately aiming for that. But they, they weren't. I mean, they're... They're releasing this for the fans. I mean, Matt Reeves knocks it out of the park, as does Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz and Andy Serkis and Colin Farrell and John Turturro, all excellent actors. And, of course, Paul Dano as a Riddler. Uh, Excellent turn as a Batman villain. Uh, I loved what he did with the character. You know, it. I'm assuming he may have taken some. It's it's. It's like he took Joaquin Phoenix's very dark and very realistic performance in terms of someone dealing with mental illness, turning to crime. You know, so Joaquin Phoenix's treatment on the Joker. And. The. The classic Riddler from, oh, let's see, a little, the classic Riddler from the 60s Adam West show <laughs> uh, with a little bit of Jim Carrey thrown in and just a dash of, and I, I cannot think of the name of the actor who played the Riddler in the animated series, but um, that was an excellent, excellent treatment of the Riddler character. It's like kind of the best of all of those, you know, he sampled from and yet made it thoroughly his own as well. And yeah, it's just a, a beautiful, if you like, if you just like crime dramas, like procedural crime dramas, it's it stands on its own merit in that way. If you love Batman movies, you will, you will most likely love this one. Um, I have a hard time imagining a Batman fan who wouldn't like it, and there may be someone out there, you know, whoever you are, stay away from me, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> actually, if you have grievances with it, let me know, uh, I'd be interested to know, I think, I don't know, I haven't decided yet, but, anyway, yeah, so I rewatched that, and, yeah, just really enjoyed it, S- still my number one, uh, and, yeah, it, it, it bumped up like I think before my number one was probably <sighs> damn so like so I love Mask of the Phantasm it is animated that's definitely my favorite animated Batman film well the Dark Knight Returns is also excellent um, there's a number of really well done Batman movies but I think Mask of the Phantasm because it's it's like a grittier version of the animated series and it's with you know the full cast or actually like all original cast members from the animated series done in the same style as the animated series uh, it will always be one of my favorite films and I think at that point was arguably honestly until Batman Begins I think that was the best Batman film 
you know, and then when Nolan started up, then, then you know, he helped to take it to another level, obviously with live action. You know, I, I will have to say, like, if I were to choose best performance out of the Nolan series, Heath Ledger, hand down, obviously, so good as the Joker. But I, I, I don't think The Dark Knight is my favorite film, actually. You know, I, I don't know what it is, but I, I think, and maybe some of it's nostalgia, but I think I like Batman Begins better just as a film but in terms of performance in the Nolan series hands down Heath Ledger knocks it out of the park he steals that movie from Christian Bale um, you know and, that, and Christian Bale would probably agree with that and I don't know that he would begrudge Heath that either um, I, I can't speak for Christian Bale obviously but but yeah it just man such a, a tour de force performance uh, but the film I, I, I just don't know that I enjoy it as much as the first one and some of that is because actually I think it might be the very first film I went to see in the theater with Will my buddy Will 2005 when it came out and it was for me because I didn't grow up going to the theaters as I've talked about here before the very first Superhero movie I ever saw in theaters was Batman Begins. So some of that maybe is nostalgia, but I was like, I could tell, like, wow, this is taking superhero movies to another level. Um, and that was even after, um, you know, the Spider-Man, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man films came out, which obviously they're Marvel and Batman's DC. Um, I did have more affinity for Batman at the time, even then. So th that's some of it. And then obviously I got to see it in theaters, which was an another benefit. But that was, yeah, it's probably my favorite of the Nolan trilogy. I enjoy the whole thing. I mean, don't get me wrong. And best performance, Heath Ledger. Although I, I do love Tom Hardy as, as Bane as well. And Tom Hardy's an excellent actor. If you have not seen the movie Warrior, check it out. Venom, take it or leave it. If you don't ever see it, you won't be missing a whole lot, to be honest with you. Um... I guess if you're a big fan of the Venom character in the comics, I've heard that, you know, you'll enjoy it. But it's it's thoroughly a popcorn flick in every other way. And I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Tom Hardy's performance in it, to be honest with you. It's, it's not his best work. And that's my opinion. And maybe he just did it more for fun. Maybe he loves the Venom character from the comics. I've heard it's fairly true to how that character is depicted in the comics, which is, that's great, you know. Um, I have not read those comics, so didn't resonate with me as much. Um, honestly, my, my favorite Venom storyline in, in terms of, well, I've never read one in the comics, so, so I've only s watched them. It's, it's still the, the 1990s Spider-Man animated series storyline. <clears throat> that one definitely better than Sam Raimi's treatment on it. Uh, which Raimi might even agree with, <laughs> um, and that was kind of foisted on him. So it's not—it's definitely not all his fault for sure. Anyway, yeah. So I'm going to wrap this up because I need to get to bed, 
and we're right around the 30 minute mark so you guys have heard me talk enough but yeah this is like I said kind of old style so this will be the video episode for the week but stay tuned for Uh-huh. You know, I just realized I'm not going to be able to pull the audio out of this. <laughs> All right. I'm going to figure this out. So, so there will be some audio. Like, I'm going to release the Japan jaunt and sci-fi focus for the week as well. So, it'll all get in there in some fashion. So... Live long and prosper, nerds. <laughs>